Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on June 7th, 2013. I always begin the broadcast by advising folk to make good use of CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website. You'll find lots and lots of uh, audios for free downloads where I take you through the big system you're born into. The one you take for granted is there when you're born, so it must be normal. And you, you, most folk never think past that very stage. They accept everything comes down the pike, and so it's all very honest and authoritative from the top. But in actual fact, we've all been guided to conclusions by various sciences which have been used upon us for a long, long period of time. So I tell you how it all started up and how the big organizations that created the, the parallel government, they call themselves a parallel government, consisting of uh, tax-free exempt foundations, were set up by the biggest bankers on the planet to basically rule the world and bring in their global agenda with free trade zones and with... Uh, amalgamations of whole countries into big trading blocks, which they've already done in some cases, and they're still doing the Americas as we speak. So we're living through a very old agenda. But not only that, it's not hands across the sea, and it's not just about greed too, although it's got a lot about greed too, but it's to do with, with, with actual total control of the planet. All the world's resources have to be in the hands of private corporations, and that includes water, food, everything that you possibly need to drink, and all energy. And it was set up well over 100 years ago, this organization. The private one that started it up was the Royal Institute for International Affairs. This is a private organization with a charter from the Queen of England to exist. And the Council on Foreign Relations are the members in foreign countries. Same organization. And they're the boys that give you all your media. Every mogul of the media is a member of the of it. And um, the top journalists and anchormen on television as well are also members of it too. So you've got this, they've got the whole gambit covered, basically. Lots of scientists at the top, two are all members of it, to make sure you get the correct form of, of science, the ones you're supposed to believe, especially about global warming, because they're also in charge of the Royal Society. So, as I say, help yourself to the audios. There's lots to, to learn, and it's a long story to learn it too, but you have to wade through it, because if you don't, you'll never get, if you don't get the groundings, you'll never get the rest of the story, and you won't know what's why things are happening today. These guys planned the world in advance, including the wars that had happened a hundred years' time, but they've already planned the ones for the next hundred years, including all the, the, the Muslim countries and so on, which must be standardized into the new system. And then throughout the wars, they have mass immigration pushes from refugees into first world countries to, to end the old sovereign nations there and the cultures too. This is all planned, as I say, very well documented. Help yourself to the audios. Remember too, you bring me to you. I depend on you to keep me going and get the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com because what I do here is very, very expensive. I have no staff. So, you can help me take along too. Uh, and this is not either, it's not either, it's not a hobby, believe you me. And it, you wouldn't even call it a job, it's, and it's more than a vocation, in fact. Um, and so, it's, it's a 12 hour, 14, 16 hour day sometimes. And that's all through the week. 
So if you want to buy the books in discs from the U.S. To, to Canada, you can send personal checks still, or you can use personal or, or uh, postal orders, international postal orders from the post office to Canada. You can send PayPal, or you can use cash, send cash. Cross the world, Western Union MoneyGram and PayPal. Remember, straight donations are seriously welcome because this is all the, the big sites for new old times and all your domain names and everything else. And it's a lot, a lot of cash, along with the, the two servers I have to use because one will always go down with them, sometimes when we're even on the air because I get a lot of interference here. And if you certainly are doing something outside the ordinary, you will get a lot of interference, especially with the phones and everything else. Happens all the time. Because we're all monitored in this brave new world, of course, and most folk are accepting it because the computer generation have been taught step by step that you don't need privacy. There's no such thing. Why bother? So ignore it. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix and I've mentioned so many times that nothing, especially in politics or the, the, the form of government that you have, is actually real. At least the truth of it is not real. The stuff that you're given to believe is the truth. You're, you're taught from a very early age, mainly from your parents to begin with, that it's only up and up and you've got rights and you vote people in and, and out of vote. Well, yeah, you vote them into the office anyway, you can't get them out. And... We're given all this nonsense, and we know that elections are rigged. We know that the the, the historian for uh, the Council on Foreign Relations and Royal Institute of International Affairs, the personal historian for their own archives of history, who's a professor, wrote two books on how it had affected the world and how they put in leaders in every so-called democratic country across the planet. For and He was talking back in the 1960s, he was Professor Carl Quigley. He said that uh, been, it's been, they've been gone since the late 1800s. So since then, not a single president in the U.S. or, say, a British prime minister has been put in that wasn't a member of this organization, this private organization. And so it doesn't matter about the guys beneath them. It's the top guys that must be members. And sometimes the whole clique around them are members too. The bottom rank, he said, of, of uh, newcomers and MPs and politicians are allowed a, a certain amount of competition amongst themselves. But all the, the main, main decisions and so on of directing a country through, through politics is done by the ones at the top who are all members of the CFR. And he should certainly know, because I see he was a historian for them for an awful long time. And he worked a lot with the State Departments and, and uh, actually coached them and taught a lot of the guys on diplomacy across the world. So we're living through a facade. And as I say, you can trace this uh, organization way, way back, even before they were called the Royal Institute for International Affairs, the Council on Foreign Relations. You can go way, way back into the 1800s. And you had the Cecil Rhodes Foundation, started by Cecil Rhodes, along with uh, Lord Rothschild at the time. And um, and then they, they combined with the Lord Milner group, Lord Alfred Milner, who was a German banker uh, who worked in London in the city. And the top bankers created the Royal Institute of International Affairs, which still runs the, the show, show today. So there's nothing really real in things. We have a massive agenda. People talk about the Bilderberg Group. That's one organization that's certainly associated with the same group, obviously, because they're all on track with the same agenda. And the Bilderberg really is, is a matter of the, the high honchos uh, getting a report from all the, the little guys beneath them on how the big agenda is going. That's really what's about. 
so it's a briefing, and most of the speakers only get about 10 minutes each to say something. The rest of it is feasting and getting to know each other and so on. And the new presidents are picked for maybe the next four years, and prime ministers are always asked to attend as well. So it's nothing to do with the public. The public don't vote them in. We think we do, but it's all rigged. That's how, how carefully worked everything is. The boys who controlled the past controlled the present and controlled the future. And that's just how they do it. They never, ever leave anything up to chance. They make sure they're going to control the future and get the right guys in. And we, and, and politics too is awfully corrupt as well. Terribly corrupt. Always being that way though. I mean, as I've said before, I said last night too with Diane Feinstein and others, they just treat the government like they're pers- a personal business. And to them it is a personal business. But they also, especially when they have affiliations with other countries that they, they're, they're, they're for, and America comes second, they're also dangerous because they use your armies across the whole planet from the U.S. to do the dirty work for their own, the country they prefer or identify with. And the U.S. has got so many conflicts of interest with, with uh, members of, of people who have dual citizenships and so on uh, that they can't get out of it. It's an absolute mess. And no, no one will touch this because you're up against the most powerful groups in the world. So everything's living, we're living through a farce, as I say. And, uh, and the farces too are, are, are the politicians. And most politicians who go in from the bottom ranks are psychopathic in nature. There's been so many studies done on them in the past. In Britain, I don't know if they still do it, and in Canada too, they used to publish their, their, even their, their financial records. And most of the, the newcomers all had bankruptcies galore in their past, overdrawn uh, cards and so on. And that shows you the, the, the spendthrifts. They love to spend money and act big. Uh, they like to act apart. And once they get in, they're only too happy to receive lobbyists, as we well know. And they get, they get under the table cash. They get lots of free holidays abroad, etc., etc. This happens in all countries today. And that's why you, you'll find a street across from most of the capital, in the capitals, across from the government buildings, uh, that houses the lobbyists and hotels. That's all they cater to is lobbyists. Big, big, wealthy lobbyists. Not the general population that think they've got democracy, but for the lobbyists. That's just the way it is. It's always been that way. And this scandal that's going on in Britain right now with Lord Laird, who says he's an Ulster Unionist peer and former MP, who offered to arrange for parliamentary questions to be asked in return for a fee of £2,000 a month. Now, that's, that's peanuts. That's peanuts. Now, because people have already forgotten that... Um, uh, when uh, Fergie's husband, uh, Edward, was made uh, the Commissioner for Trade for Britain, uh, she was asking £500,000 uh, to get a, an inter- she'd arrange it, get an interview with her hubby uh, for £500,000 at the time. And that was mainly snorted up her nose, mind you. And, but this has always been the way of things. Same in the US, same in all countries. So during a joint investigation by Telegraph and the BBC Panorama program, the peer said he was prepared to help undercover reporters posing as lobbyists set up a parliamentary group, bribe colleagues to ask questions and arrange debates on behalf of a client paying him a retainer. Now, I'll tell you, there's another angle to this too, we understand, because uh, they want a few of these uh, lords out of there and it'll make room for another bunch to come in. And you have to dig in to find what the ones they want out have in common, because they do have other things in common apart from taking lobby fees or bribes. They've all said something not PC, you might say, against a powerful agency. And so they'll get booted out, another bunch will get their guys in instead. And that's probably who set them up in the first place. 
But anyway, it says here, it came as more members of Parliament were drawn to the scandal, which has already ended the career of Conservative politician Patrick Mercer. Several MPs from both, both major parties admitted they'd joined an all-party parliamentary group, which they call APPG, to do with the island of Fiji. On, on human rights records and so on. They were invited to be members by Mr. Messer, the MP who took £4,000 from the undercover reporters posing as lobbyists who said they wanted to overturn sanctions imposed on the country due to its human rights records. And it says that Mr. Messer resigned the Conservative whip as Conservative whip on Friday after being exposed, boasting to the undercover journalist that he'd persuaded 18 MPs to join the APPG. He said they included several freeloaders that would like to go to Fiji and one who asked to take his wife. Generally, they take their mistresses and so on, because all have them. So today we'll be, be disclosed that the MPs will be persuaded to join Keith Vaz, Labour Chairman of the Home Secretary Committee, or Subcommittee, his sister Valerie, also Labour MP, Julian Brazier, Conservative, Mark Field, Conservative, and Fabian Hamilton, a Labour MP, who said, said by colleagues to have agreed to, to the group's Vice Chairman. None of them is accused of any wrongdoing. Mr. Mercer appears not to have disclosed to them that he took payments from lobbyists for Fiji, which is a breach of a ban on MPs undertaking paid uh, advocacy on behalf of clients. So this is the sort of thing that goes on. It goes through the, the, the morbid story, but it's not that exciting, of course, but it's, it's, just, it's just a day's business as, as politics goes. That's all it is. It happens all the time. It's always been going on like this. It's always been like this, folks. Uh, also, of course, we have uh, from Britain and elsewhere from the BBC News, Barack Obama defends the U.S. surveillance tactics. Well, of course he's going to defend them because his bosses told him to defend them. Do you really think he's a boss? Do you really do think he's a boss? The front man is never the front man is never the front man the, 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 the big man. Never, never. The ones behind him, number two, is always the biggest one. The ones who write the scripts for them, write the speeches for them, who manage them. These are the these are the bigger guys. Because they know the world agenda. They're in touch with all the other countries across the world. They get managed by the same kinds themselves, advisors. And they're the boys of the important guys. But it's never the top guy that you see. Never the front man. He, the little actor. Never, ever. And also tonight I'm putting up an article. It's called World Economic Forum, the WEF. Uh, and a report on the Middle East and North Africa 2013. And it's all doublespeak, of course, because they, they, you know darn well that these guys comp- comprise the World Economic Forum, the richest guys on the planet. And there's, I've got articles here where they're taking over vast chunks of Africa, some of the best farmlands in Africa, and they're going to put supposedly biofuel in it, grow corn and various things for biofuel for the big international corporations which they own. Everything is corrupt, folks. Is this the way it is? That's the way it is. And also this article too uh, says that phone records are shared with the UK. It wasn't just uh, Obama and his boys who were getting all the data from the NSA. And the NSA spying on everybody in America and Canada, by the way, because uh, we've got a deal that they can spy on Canada too, because Canada and the US are integrating under NAFTA. And it was in the papers a few years back that they're sharing all domestic intelligence and computers. And they're sharing with the UK as well, because they're sharing with Israel, because all the equipment they're using is from Israel as well. But it says data on US customers secretly collected from phone companies has been shared with the British security agency's rights, Eli Lake, plus everything you need to know about the NSA spying program. It says at least one foreign government has gained access to sensitive data collected by the National Security Agency from US telecommunications companies. 
and I dragged it court warrants uh, demanding the secret transfer of U.S. customers calling records. NSA Verizon, it says, and it says the information collected by the NSA known as metadata does not include the content of the phone calls or names of the people associated with the accounts. That's nonsense because the whistleblowers have come out and told us that it does already. And it says, but it does tell the government when calls were made, what numbers were dialed, and the location and duration of those calls. Current and former U.S. intelligence of, uh, uh, officials familiar with the long-standing program to collect metadata from American telecommunications and internet companies tell the Daily Beast, it says, then a few discrete cases the NSA has shared unedited analysis of these records with the British counterpart, the Government Communications Headquarters, or GCHQ, as they call it. Uh, nothing's going to happen about all this because it's going to be business as usual. They're not going to back off. Back with more after this. Hi, folks. We're back, cutting through the matrix. Now, we get occasional crisis propping up, and, and then, of course, it disappears because the things are hushed up. And we all know what happened at Fukushima when the plants blew and so on and melted down and the radiation poisoning and all the rest of it. And then all governments came to an agreement to keep their people in the dark and then even raised the, 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 the acceptable levels of radiation up to a new level, of course, uh, it's a new safe level, and, uh, and, and that's a, so it's okay now. It's all fine. They've, they've changed the numbers, so we're all safe now. I mean, this is simple psychology, isn't it? Anyway, um, an article here is quite good on what's happening there with the fishermen off uh, that area, and they go through their history, etc., and how they used to get all great catches. Now they're only allowed, uh, and all they work in now is to go out and catch fish for sampling for radiation because it's still the stuff is still leaking out. It says here, it says that. Um, the fishermen in TEPCO are in dispute over the utilities' plans to dump 100 tons of groundwater a day from the devastated plants into the sea. They're still doing it, you see. The complicated cleanup for Fukushima could take 30 years or more. TEPCO's challenge is what to do with this contaminated water that's been pooling at the plant at a rate of 400 tons a day, enough to fill an Olympic-sized swimming pool in a week. It's happening every week without much, and then they dump it. And it says, so far it's been racing to build tanks to store the contaminated water in the grounds of, uh, of the plant, which is all the water, uh, where, where the water is all kept at the moment, except the ones that dump in the sea. It also asked fishermen to support a plan to build a bypass that would dump groundwater into the sea before it becomes contaminated by flowing under the reactor's wreckage. What a mess that is. And it's going to go on for 30 years, you say. 30 years. And you've got to remember, too, places like Canada, because of the World Trade Organization, it was also set up by the Royal Institute of International Affairs, Council on Foreign Relations, that decides all the world's big business today and, and who gets what and who can fish and who can't fish. Uh, they basically stop most of the fishing in Canada. I can't buy fish in Canada here anymore. It's all from China and the China Sea. And I'm sure a lot of the contamination is still in there, so I don't buy fish at all. Also, too, to get more guys to join up in the military and try to give them careers afterwards, they're now letting ex-troops without degrees to train as teachers so they can teach their children. So former armed personnel uh, without degrees will be fast-tracked into teaching in England under a new government program. The Troops to Teachers scheme will help highly skilled former military personnel become teachers within two years. What is highly skilled in what, killing folk? I mean... 
it said skill, just drop the S, you know. It says Education Minister David Law said ex-members of our inspiring armed officer, our forces could make great teachers. They've been pushing this for years, actually, too, because, you see, everything's out of hand. The schools are out of hand, and a lot of the, the, the women teachers especially are terrified of the students because they've been brought up in single-parent families, a lot of them. They're multi-ethnic groups, too. A lot of them are in the, 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 the rap culture, the gangster culture, and the attack teachers and things like that. And this is one of the reasons why I get the guys in. I wrote an article about that two years ago on the air. So they're going ahead with it. Now, also, the G8 meeting's on right now. See, the big, big things are on all over the world right now. And the G8 meet summits in Ireland at the moment. It says Treasury is to foot most of the £50 million G8 summit security bill. And that means the taxpayers are going to fork up for that one as well. So the Treasury will pay for most of the estimated £50 million security bill to protect the world's most powerful politicians at the G8 summit in Northern Ireland this month. Danny Alexander, Chief Secretary to the Treasury, assured the power-sharing develop, uh, developed administration in Belfast Monday that central government would cover the bulk of the costs of policing meeting in Fermanagh. They've got warships and everything going around Ireland right now. It's a big, big deal, you see, because they're very important people, these folks that decide on wars and things and, and all that, you know, NGAs, you know, and what much money's going to get sent abroad to different countries and all that. Now, in Ireland, at the same time, and I think it's Saturday the 8th, that's, that's tomorrow, it says Stand Up for Life, National Vigil for Life campaign is on. And uh, it's on Merrion Square, Dublin, at 3 to 4 p.m. So thousands of people are working hard to oppose the government's destructive abortion proposal. It says thank you for pay, uh, playing your part. We, we must keep the effort up to stop this appalling legislation. As things stand, two psychiatrists with an obstetrician on the sidelines will be able to sign away the life of a child of a healthy mother. This is a travesty of good medicine. And I'll put the articles up tonight, remember, at cuttingthroughthematrix.com for those who are interested. Also in Scotland, it's been under the under the gun for a long time, an awful long time actually. And we've had, as I say, we had John Stuart Mill um, talking about that, that it's possible that uh, a lot of Scots would not come into this new system because they were, they were still a bit wild. In other words, they rebelled so many times about coming into a global order, even even a, a unification for Britain for a long, long time, and, and Ireland as well. And they noted them down as possibly unsuitable. And then H.G. Wells went further, and he was a member of the Fabian Society, which is also a, a left-hand wing of the Royal Institute of International Affairs, which is the banker boys who run both sides. And he had them down for extinction. He actually had a whole... Actually, a lot of the stuff he had down for extinction, Adolf Hitler had it down too. Quite interesting, that, eh? Anyway, so Scottish landowners denied that there are new highland clearances. That's, that's what they did in the 1800s. They cleared the highlands and, and deported thousands, and some folks say millions of families across the waters. A lot of them sunk. They actually, actually watched their families sinking in these old dingy boats offshore. And, but they had to get rid of the highlanders who kept fighting because Scots have an allergy to oppression and tyranny. But it says Scottish landowners have rejected claims by the members of the Scottish Parliament. They're presiding over a climate of fear akin to the Highland Clearances amid growing political pressure for a radical redistribution of land, it says. So the Scottish Land and Estates said a debate on, at Holyrood on land reform portrayed an inaccurate caricature of its members as a distant layer's obvious, oblivious to the names uh, of the needs of their communities, it says. It's about tenants' rights and tenant farmers. Back with more after this.
listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're cutting through the matrix, talking about Scotland and what they're calling the new Highland Clearances. And it said that 432 people own half the land in Scotland. 432 people. Well, 16 own 10%, and most of them are not, not from even Scotland. And a lot of them are from the old aristocracy of England, in fact, with little titles and all the rest of it. And they have lots of tenant farmers underneath them and, and all this kind of stuff, too. This is all set up in the 1800s, and it hasn't really changed since then. So there's a lot of hullabaloo going on right now. We know, too, that, that, that uh, a lot of people, big oil companies and fracking companies, want to frack parts of Scotland, maybe the whole lot of it, in fact. And that'll be the end of it, I suppose. But uh, there's like a lot of money suddenly seen in Scotland that wasn't seen there before. And that's when the big cutthroat guys come in and make the changes to enable themselves to loot what's left. And also this article here, too, is interesting. Because remember before I've talked about the Frankfurt School, very important organization to read and study. Because they were behind all the cultural changes. Uh, and they were given authority by the president of the U.S., and Prime Ministers of Britain, to, to recreate the cultures for those countries into a global type society and so on, to destroy the original peoples, because they said that, um, that they might become Nazi one day. I'm not kidding you, that's just what it's all about. And they worked with the Macy Group, the Frankfurt School did, and Bertrand Russell and many other bigwigs, and all working on behalf of the White House and so on. And... Um, they said they would have to take the, the culture right down, promote promiscuity, uh, so that marriage would get kicked off. They didn't want marriage at all. And, and it'd be easier to manage the public that way when people wouldn't stand up. They wouldn't have a little tribe, you might say, of a family to stand up for any individual. And therefore it's easier to get the individual to obey government. That's what they said. Lots of information if you want to read their, their writings. And there were incredible elitists, too, as the top communists were, although they themselves eventually called themselves Trotskyists. It's the end thing. It's more trendy. But it says here that the, the uh, this article here is about birth control. That's one thing they wanted to push, too. And you'll find, too, that Julian Huxley was a member of these organizations and worked with them as well with uh, Planned Parenthood. HHS website for girls from 10 to 8 years of age to 16 years of age informs youth about birth control, homosexual sex and mutual masturbation. They keep coming up with the same things over and over and over. I've read articles from the United Nations from two or three years ago where they came up with the same thing. They want mutual masturbation to be practiced in classrooms. And so the government website designed for girls 10 to 16 offers health advice and information on a wide range of topics including homosexuality, anal sex and mutual masturbation. The Health and Human Services, girlshealth.gov, this is a government site, includes tips on fitness and nutrition and an environmental health section where girls can be about leading a green lifestyle. But the site also contains a glossary that explains anal sex, mutual masturbation, and includes information about birth control and how to access everything from condoms to emergency contraceptives. The website is described this way, uh, this way on the about portion and girlshealth.gov was created in 2002 by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Uh, and the Office on Women's Health to help girls aged 10 to 16 learn about health growing up and issues they may face. 
GirlsHealth.gov promotes healthy and positive behaviours in girls, giving them reliable and useful health information in a fun, easy-to-understand way. I guess you get to practice on each other, I suppose. And um, and then to this one here, and this guy really, really came right out of the, the Frankfurt School uh, agenda. He has a lot in common with him, an awful lot in common with him, in fact. And he's a, a, guy, a guy who comes up with statements that gets his name in the press, deliberately, of course. And his name is Peter Singer, and he's based in Australia, I believe. It says, women's right to have children might have to be sacrificed for the environment. And so it's, it's called a bioethicist. It's a new name for eugenicists, by the way, for those who don't know. Bioethicist Peter Singer compared women and children to cows overgrazing a field and said that women, women's reproductive rights may one day have to be sacrificed for the environment. He made the remarks at the Global Women Deliver conference last week, hailed as the most important meeting on focus to focus on women's and girls' hu- human rights in a decade, as he, as he compares them to cows' human rights, right? The controversial Princeton University professor, known for championing infanticide and bestiality, this is the exact role model you need, folks getting pushed by the top universities that were flooded by guys who, like his family, actually ran off uh, from Vienna and so on uh, as the Nazis came in and because uh, we're teaching the same kind of stuff there, a lot of these guys. And, and a lot of them ended up getting themselves into universities in the West and they're, they're, again, their offspring eventually too. So he's just carrying on the family tradition. It says here, uh, Bestiality was a featured panelist on Thursday at a three-day Women Deliver conference attended by Melinda Gates. Who else? And more than 4,000 abortion and contraception activists in Kuala Lumpur. It's interesting too, the history of these families, like even Melinda Gates, because uh, even Bill Gates, his dad too, and, and, and this woman, his wife, uh, they were all top members of Planned Parenthood and, and so on across the world. Always out for abortion. Singer said that since the world's affluent are not likely to restrain their high rate of consumption compared to the world's poor anytime soon, and since it's possible that family planning efforts may turn out to be not enough, we ought to consider what other things there are that we can do and to say to try to stave off some of the worst consequences of environmental catastrophes. It's possible, of course, that we give women reproductive choices, that we meet the unmet need for contraception, but that we find that the number of children that women choose to have is still such that the population continues to rise in a way that causes environmental problems, he said. Now, that's a lie, straight off the bat. Which countries are you talking about? Because all the first world countries have been plummeting from the United UN's own statistics, as, as you know. He says women have more children because of their ideological or religious views. He added that greenhouse gases are getting very close to a tipping point. He's, he's a complete advocate of all the, the, the change cons that are going on because he's, a, he's, a, he's a, say, a protégé of the Frankfurt School to destroy utterly all, all, all the systems of government and, and, and culture across first world countries. And it says, and climate change can become catastrophic and cause hundreds of billions or, or millions of people to become climate refugees. In that case, he said, we need to consider where we can talk about trying to reduce population growth and where that's compatible with the very reasonable concepts people have about women's right to control their life decisions at their reproduction. Singer, who has also argued the case for bestowing international human rights on primates, said it's appropriate to consider whether women's reproductive rights are fundamental and unalterable or whether, in bioethicists speak, they are prima facie, good and important to respect, but there can be imaginable circumstances in which you may be justified in overriding them. In other words, overriding your rights to have children. Then Singer compared women's right to bear children to the traditional villagers' right to graze their cows on on common grounds. 
as the villagers get more affluent and their cows die at less from disease, he says, until the commons are overgrazed, yields are falling, and that's a road to disaster. So see, he's saying that all you women, it's all your fault for having children. Even though in first world countries, if you were, if you've been there for a long, long time, many generations, then, then basically, uh, it's your fault for having more children. Even though it's plummeting in your countries. Turns out that the right to graze as many cows as you like on the common was not an absolute right, said Singer. Obviously, this is what I think we ought to be saying even about how many children we have. I hope we don't get a point where we have to do to override it, but I don't think we ought to shrink away from considering that possibility. He wants laws passed to limit children. His views were not entirely well received, and it gives you examples and so on of third world countries that are not chuffed about this at all, and... Uh, and so on and so on. But he's the ideal person who gets, gets triumphed up there by the mainstream media. He's at all top world conferences and he teaches in universities and so on. And he's promoting bestiality and everything else that destroys all your cultures. This is your professional. This is your modern professional who gets accoladed by the guys behind him at the top. Remember, too, what Theo Adorno said from the Frankfurt School. He says, we must destroy their culture so much, right down to even necrophilia. Bring them right down to that stage. Then they're finished. And look around you, folks. You're pretty well here. Many folk have warned for years about the, the, the scientific gods that we have now. And it's true enough, you, you, you displace the old gods, and now you, the guys in the white coats come along. Uh, and like the last guy I just read about, and uh, and they believe they're the new gods, and they're into geoengineering, bioengineering, a whole bit, and creating all wonderful new kinds of uh, viruses, killer viruses, and bacterium for warfare purposes. Of course, they're the best paid of all those guys, good psychopaths too, and governments use lots of them, hire lots of them, but you also have them altering uh, well life big time as well. Now, the GM salmon, it says, can breed without, with trout and harm the ecosystem, warn the scientists. Generally modified salmon can breed with wild trout to produce a new fast-growing fish that can harm natural species that scientists have warned. And it says they found the fear that the plants they f- uh, farm a new type of GM salmon that grows faster than normal um, will result in some of the animals escaping into streams and rivers. They've already had that happen in some countries. They conducted a study to examine the impacts that such an escape would have on natural habitats. They found that the GM salmon, which have been developed by a Canada firm and are expected to be given approval for sale as food in the U.S., could mate with wild brown trout. This resulted in a hybrid species that grew faster than even the GM salmon. They also outcompeted wild fish in laboratory-based simulation of a stream. Dr. Krista Oak, who led the work at the Department of Biology at McGill University, Quebec, Canada says, to the best of our knowledge, this is the first study demonstrating transmission and ecological consequences from interspecific hybridization between a GM animal and a natural hybridizing species. And she says, ultimately, hybridization of, of transgenic fishes with closely related species represents potential ecological risk for well populations. This is a researcher whose work is published in the journal Proceedings of the Royal Society B, warned that any attempts to farm GM salmon should be carefully assessed and assess the risks to the wider environment should they escape. So Aqua Bounty, I've read about this company before a few times a few years ago. A Canadian biotechnology firm has spent 70 years developing a type of Atlantic salmon that will reach full size in half the time of wild salmon. The super salmon are grown in tanks in Panama, 
and, and, and the firm has applied to the Food and Drug Administration, which regulates food in the U.S. to sell the GM fish in shops. Now remember, too, they use a lot of, uh, they use certain viruses, uh, and bacterium, even E. coli, to attach the, the, the genes that are going to take over the fish when they inject them into them. And these things are still alive in them as well. So there's been a lot of consequences from all this stuff. And, uh, mind you, the general public will, most of them will never hear about it or think about it. Because, uh, famous faces on television will convince them it's okay. And that's all they need. That's all they need. And, and they'll go along with it. Just like they did with the GM corn and everything else. And, and because there was a big World Jewish Congress that was held recently, and Hungary, I think it was, or Czechoslovakia, uh, uh, they're getting a, putting a lot of articles out right now is because you keep, each group, special interest group, has to keep its name in the paper, of course. Uh, and some have got more power to do so than others. But it says, failure to tackle protests rise, uh, risks the rise of British anti-Semitism, says Israelis. This is from the Telegraph. Uh, it says, they're, they're, they failed to act decisively in the face of anti-Israel protests in the country has been questioned by an Israeli official asking, at what point does inaction become anti-Semitism? Now, here's your dilemma, the paradox here. When you're complaining about what the actions of Israel, they're bringing another, another thing altogether, anti-Semitism into it. It's like, it's like if you're complaining about some, what Rome was doing, would you bring in anti-Catholic, you know? Because it's not just Catholics live in Rome. But anyway, it says here that, um, Representatives of the Jewish state have been repeatedly dismayed by the lack of response from the Foreign Office, the British Foreign Office, and other government departments to Israel's request for support to combat campaigns that threaten its diplomats or seek to disrupt events involving Israel. You have to wonder at what point does a nation become anti-Semitism. This is the big stick. You see people have been conditioned to be terrified of anti-something or anything that's anti. And other areas is homophobic and nonsense like that. There's all these terms that, that shut up all conversation, you see, and debate. It's, 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 uh, if, Israelis, uh, if Israelis of uh, an Argentinian background threatened the British ambassador in Israel to the point that he, he could not make speeches, we'd be getting demands from the Foreign Office to step in, yet the government has done nothing to prevent the threats we faced since it took office. The comments came shortly after Yuval Steinitz, Israel's strategic, strategic uh, affairs minister, told the Telegraph that disguised anti-Semitism was more virulent in Britain than any major Western country on the eve of a visit to the Holy Land by William Hague, the foreign secretary. Outspoken criticism from Sir Hague over Israel's expansion of settlements in the West Bank has been viewed as and overshadowed his dismissal of jobs to, of calls to, to boycott Israel over Palestinian issues. Well, that's the reason folk are protesting, because Israel's been expanding, expanding, expanding ever since 1948. And that's why folk are complaining. Uh, but they're trying to spin it off into uh, the hate stuff, you see. That's what they're trying to spin it off to. And all this, I think it's pretty good too from the Telegraph. He's a donor, a big donor, a very wealthy guy, this guy. A donor who, who gives to political parties. John Mills' gift to the Labour Party avoided tax bill of £1.5 million, it says. The Labour Party has helped its biggest financial backer avoid tax worth up to £1.5 million on its largest donation so far this year. It says Joe Mills gave the party shares in his shopping channel company, JML. Valued at 1.65 million in January, in an interview with the Telegraph, Mills said that the donation was made in shares rather than cash, so that the tax on the deal would be significantly reduced. It's actually quite legal to do this, 
beast, it's a good article, it tells you how to reduce your tax, you see. And anybody with the common sense, if it's all legal and all the rest of it, would do the same thing. But it's interesting for me to read how it's done. They can actually give them shares, and you actually get a better tax deduction and all the rest of it if you, if you had that kind of money and give away in the first place. But uh, it's just amazing that all these loopholes are purposely put in and left for those who have the money to, to reduce their, their tax, income tax altogether, but not for the little guy. Also, tonight I want to put this article, it says 14 things you really don't want to know about your groceries. That's quite good. It, it tells you about, uh, it says Greek yogurt manufacturing produces millions of pounds of toxic acid uh, whey waste every year, and no one knows what to do with it, how to dump it. Then it goes uh, through flavor packs in your foods and so on. Then they're putting in all your juice drinks as well, claiming it's, it's pure juice. It's quite a good article altogether when you look down it. And it tells you how the ingredients for packaged veggie burgers get mixed together and so on. Uh, and commercial milk made by combining heating, homogenizing and repackaging the milk of hundreds of cows. And... Uh, it says, Marashino cherry producers bleach the fruit first with chemicals, the cherries you buy in a store, and then they marinate it in huge vats of corn syrup, and then the diet turned cherries red again. Can you believe this? This is, and you wonder why, I've got another article here I put up tonight too, it says that half of you are going to die of cancers. You wonder why? These guys know why. <laughs> These guys are perfectly aware, well aware of why. And, Another article, too, it says classified documents reveal the NSA's vast real-time warrantless web surveillance. That's from RT. And it says for seven years, the U.S. National Security Agency has been using congressionally approved warrantless web surveillance system with a near limitless ability to spy on Americans' phone calls, emails, video chats, search history, and more. Back with more after this. Back now, I think George from California is hanging on the line. Are you there, George? Yes. You go ahead. Oh, hey, Alan. I spoke to you about a year ago about Argons from the Gnostic yeah. teachings. Mm-hmm. And uh, we live upon the age of fools, but I did see a rise in intelligence uh, from the common people, mm-hmm. and I am seeing that, which yeah. is a uh, a very interesting time we're living upon. It is interesting indeed, but uh, how long will it, will it be allowed to go on for? Because, see, the next step after all this massive surveillance is to start closing down websites, censoring uh, guys like me and uh, and so on, until they have the authorized ones left, and then you, then you just go around in circles. That's already been discussed many times over in different articles. Right, these charlatans that know how to co-opt. Mm-hmm. They don't really create, in my idea, but from my understanding, they know how to co-opt. Oh, I, absolutely. These are all techniques. Uh, they, they understand, those who control the present have thousands of think tanks working at every problem that they might face themselves. Uh, and they, they do war games way in advance on us. Uh, and uh, the, every, every situation you can imagine happening in the future, they have already done. The guys are paid to do this. And then they find ways, if ever anything, any of these things happen, how to stop it and nip it in the bud. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, the thing that, that's the thing about, uh, about humans is that their creativity to create their own existence. Absolutely. So yeah. what most 
beings do is that they fail to do so because they let others create their existence. Yeah. And when they do that, they get boarded. Mm-hmm. And this is what happens in society over and over and over for the last couple of thousands of years. The mm-hmm. charlatans that use the use wisdom of the past yeah. to control yeah. these masses. But like I was saying, you know, I I do see a, a rise in intelligence even in the common people. Yeah, there's more and more people thinking a bit more because they, for the first time a lot of them have started to say, well, maybe there's something to this or that and they look into it now because of the means to look into it, which is good. And I just hope we keep having the means to look into it because I noticed Australia, for instance, uh, I mentioned it yesterday, the new web filter, they call it, could could block out uh, so many thousands of websites instantly uh, and they're thinking of bringing that in there and the rest of the countries are maybe going to follow suit. Right, that's where their experts are co-opting because they've they put their own fronts in yes. all scales of knowledge. Absolutely. From literature to people you see here that mm-hmm. call themselves alternative media. Yeah. And, of course, knowledge is power, and that's the key to everything. Real knowledge, especially truthful knowledge, is absolute power. And they don't, they certainly don't want to share it with the general public. Uh, because they lose control over our minds. We lose control over our minds, they lose control over everything. And they know this, and, and that's only one thing they're afraid of. So real knowledge is within. Yeah. And when you adopt your knowledge that's given to you, which mm-hmm. says they're a bunch of charlatans, oh, they are. you get fooled. And it's a game old and old and old, and comes back again over and over and over. Yes. Well, it's true enough, even the mainstream media generally tells us what to think about for the day. Uh, and they'll tell us what's important things to think about, and it's not important whatsoever. There's far more important things going on all the time, and all it's complete, they're completely avoided, in fact. But from the minute you're born in this world here, and the system that exists is so perfect, that they, they try to stop you from having critical, independent, individual thought. And, and they really uh, turn, in, in the new schools especially, they decry that. You have to be groupthink, which is authorized think and nothing else. You live in an age of fools. We do, yeah. But thanks for calling. And from he, Mish, and myself, Ontario, Canada, it's good night. May God of your gods go with you.